0: Chapter 8 Alex sat tucked into the blankets on the sofa later that afternoon, watching the fire and enjoying the warmth that billowed out from the hearth. The sun was sinking low on the horizon, signalling the end of another too short winter day. Her thoughts were brooding and self-indulgent, but she didn't chase them away. If anyone had asked her, two years ago now, where she imagined her career and her life going, Alex would never have guessed that she would end up here. She'd been the youngest medical school graduate in the university's history, handpicked for a competitive residency, destined to run the local veterans' hospital one day, awards, accolades, the respect of peers, superiors, and patients alike. And now, this. Tucked away on a secluded mountaintop, throwing herself at a tortured ex-army ranger, a man she loved, A man who had three times the sex drive of a normal man, but who, nevertheless, didn't want her. A man who was about to walk away from her, and from Phoenix Group International, the only family either of them really had. And when she returned to work after this fiasco, she wouldn't find herself in a busy ER, or a veteran's hospital, or even in private practice. In fact, she really didn't have much work to return to at all. She would simply be on call until Nick Sullivan and the Phoenix Group needed her, for when one of their private ops went wrong, or when one of their own was sick or injured. That was her life now at PGI. More recently, her time and attention had been devoted almost solely to Eric, trying to make sense of his complicated case. Delving into his medical mysteries was the most interesting work she'd ever done, in fact, if she didn't count that hostage recovery in Mexico City which didn't count, really, since tagging along had only ended up getting her shot. That's what she got for going underground, for not being able to renew her medical license anywhere that she could be found. That's what all her years of study and training had amounted to, working under the table for a small private security team of former army rangers and their ex-military brethren, trying to restore some humanity to a man who had been stripped of it and trying not to get herself shot. She knew she shouldn't complain. After all, if she hadn't met Nick that night two years ago, if he hadn't come along at exactly the right moment and offered her a way out of her nightmare of a life, things could be worse. She reminded herself for the millionth time. She could be dead. Without Nick and his group, she probably would be. Any life, she reasoned, even a pale shadow of what could have been. Was better than none at all. She would carry on as she always did. She wouldn't let regrets or ideas about what her life could have been cloud her future. And working with Eric for the past 18 months really had been some of the most engaging work she'd ever done. When they'd recovered him from the facility where he'd been kept, when the team had choppered into the operations base and wheeled him into her medical bay, She'd stood paralyzed to the spot, not even knowing where or how to begin. No medical records, no history, just the vaguest intel, as Nick said, about what his unknown abductors had been doing to him. She'd had to stabilize him first, assess his general condition, and then start piecing it together, hoping to hell she could find some way to figure out what had been done to him and how to fix it. And even though she'd managed to bring him out of the sedation he'd been under for so long, Even though she'd begun to repair his body and find his soul, his growing discomfort with the examinations and questions had made it harder and harder to find answers. He didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to share what had happened to him. He would give her only the most basic answers. No, he didn't sleep. Yes, he was angry all the time, more aggressive, more of a hair-trigger, and would only grudgingly agree to the battery of tests she wanted to perform, tests that revealed the extent of the changes that had been made to his very physiology, tests that revealed the destructive, invasive procedures that had been carried out, procedures which had led her to the most startling and, frankly, implausible conclusion she'd ever had to make as a doctor. He had been changed, made into something almost superhuman, something capable of being pushed beyond the limits of normal human endurance something governments would pay almost anything for, a way to turn a normal man into the ultimate soldier. It had taken her months to uncover the whole truth, mostly because it was so far beyond even the most cutting-edge science that she simply couldn't believe it at first. It was like something out of a comic book. Even as she typed up notes for her chart, she could hardly tap the words into her computer without pausing to reword and to rephrase. She'd chosen the word enhancements to describe the things that had been done to him, and had tried to record her observations with the most dispassionate language possible. But in truth, there was no way to dispassionately describe the invisible hand that had guided his transformation. There were no words to express how methodically, how carefully, someone had set about changing him from a normal man into something less than human and so much more than human at the same time. Part of her regretted that it all had to be kept secret, because the medicine itself was revolutionary, so visionary, so fascinating, and out of this world. Much of it could probably be adapted to help rather than harm, but no one could know about it. It was her job to undo everything that had been done to him, and that was all. And none of it was going to be easy. He had been implanted, with micro-pellets that released an artificial, modified form of the male hormone testosterone. Only, it was unlike any hormone she'd ever seen. It was some sort of biological chimera, a hybrid hormone that wreaked havoc on the rest of his system. The testosterone part of it, three times more potent than that of a normal man's, did its expected job, increased muscle mass and strength, built denser bones created a stronger sex drive and a marked increase in aggressive tendencies. But other aspects of the hormone affected his brain and the master glands responsible for all his hormones in ways she wouldn't have thought possible. It threw everything off balance, sometimes with potentially deadly side effects, and she'd had to spend months fine-tuning dosages of other artificial hormones, like the cortisol he'd so carelessly forgotten earlier, just to keep him alive, She hadn't wanted to risk removing the pellets, not until she discovered the right balance of hormones in the right proportions. To do otherwise risked unleashing a total shutdown of his endocrine system and certain death. So he'd had to suffer, had to be weaned down from his nightmare while she worked tirelessly to find more answers. Answers that required she spend a lot of time with him, talking to him, learning more about him, uncovering his past, falling in love with him. That hadn't been part of the plan, of course, but almost from the first weeks of his recovery she'd felt an unfamiliar and, frankly, unwelcome knot of awareness in her belly whenever he walked in the room. She found herself looking forward to seeing him every day, felt almost empty on the days when she had promised to leave him alone, found herself thinking about him, about things he'd said, about stories he'd told, even when she was supposed to be concentrating on something else. When she cleared him to go on his first assignment, a bodyguard detail for a paranoid politician that scored low on the risk meter as far as Nick was concerned. She'd sat up all night biting her nails with worry, and felt such relief when he returned unharmed, that she hid in her room and cried. She considered herself hopelessly, ridiculously in love from that night on. She'd fought the idea at first, of course. He was her patient, Maybe she was confusing her feelings of compassion for those of love. But no patient had ever made her pace the floor with dread. No patient had ever made her heart nearly stop when he smiled at her. No patient had ever made her want to touch him, just touch him. Out of affection, out of tenderness, and yes, out of sheer desire. Then she thought that maybe it was just desire, full stop. He was probably the most attractive man she'd ever seen. She didn't imagine there was a woman alive who wouldn't be affected by his impressive physique. His ruggedly handsome face, his penetrating blue eyes. But she quickly rejected that idea. PGI was a veritable viper's pit of attractive military men with toned bodies and killer smiles. Each man uniquely charming and yet uniformly sexy. Yet none of them had ever affected her the way Eric had. And she'd seen him at his worst, too, when he was anything but beautiful when he was beaten down and weak, dazed and tired, when he was angry and sullen, when he was quiet and withdrawn. She had seen his fits of rage, his unstoppable temper, and the cold demeanor he adopted to shield himself and others from the rabid emotions that plagued him. She desired him, yes, but it was so much more than that. She had grown to admire him, to appreciate his intelligence and nobility, and the surprisingly gentle nature that had been so horribly taken away from him, first by the ambush that had left him and the rest of his unit for dead, and then by the barbaric experiments he'd been subjected to. The gentle nature he so rarely ever revealed. Gentleness she only glimpsed when his guard was down. She had fallen in love with that man, the man he had been before the tragic path his life had taken. And what's more, she had believed that man... That wounded, gentle, heroic man had fallen in love with her too. She had seen it in a thousand tiny little moments. The way he looked at her. The way his eyes followed her whenever she entered or left the room. The way he sought her company above anyone else's. The way he always sided with her in discussions with Nick, no matter what the debate. The way he confided in her, trusted her, gradually revealed his past to her with a guarded but healing heart. The way he had wept against her bloodied cheek and begged her to fight, to stay with him. The way he had whispered words of love to her when he thought she was slipping away. But now, sitting on the couch, freshly showered and cozy in a terry cloth robe, with only the crackling fire and a few pale candles for company, she realized, too late, that whatever it was she had sensed between them, it wasn't love. At least, not on his part. Whatever had inspired him to say those things to her in the back of that van, it hadn't been the kind of romantic love she'd felt for him. She'd given him every chance, every opportunity, had made it as easy for him as it could possibly be. Howie he wouldn't have even had to say a word. He could have just kissed her, touched her, taken her to bed without uttering a syllable. But he hadn't wanted to. And because of it, because of her terrible miscalculation, she realized that once he walked out that door, she would probably never see him again. She sighed and removed her reading glasses, tucking them into the pocket of her robe and closing the novel she'd been trying, unsuccessfully, to read for the past hour. The day had ticked by, slowly, in the deafening silence of an unhappy house. Eric had been in his room for hours, silent, not so much as a footstep or a creak of furniture to confirm he was still here. She hoped he had been sleeping all this time, but knew that wasn't likely. She put her head down on the side of the sofa, letting her still wet hair tumble uncombed over her shoulders. It didn't matter if it dried into the unruly waves and curls that she fought so hard to tame. Not now, anyway. She must have dozed off at some point, because she came awake suddenly at the sound of heavy boots on the stairway. She blinked the sleep from her eyes and glanced around. The windows were dark, pinpoint stars winking in the inky blackness, and the fire had burned down to glowing embers that cast the room in a faint orange light. She sat up quickly and adjusted her robe, watching as he descended the stairs. He was leaving. Again. He wore his cold-weather gear, had his duffel slung over his back and was pulling on his gloves as he came down the stairs. He didn't look at her, just moved towards the door with that look of grim determination she'd come to expect. He was at the door in three long strides and stood with his back to her as he dropped his duffel to the floor and shrugged into his parka. She said nothing, just watched him from the couch, her heart aching for him. She tried desperately to think of something she could say to make him stay, but after that disastrous almost kiss, after he'd flung her to the floor with no more care than he would have shown a mosquito, she knew it was pointless. She fought back the tears that threatened to destroy her composure. She wouldn't cry. PGI operators didn't cry. Army rangers didn't cry. She would not cry. Then she realized, slowly, but he was taking far too long to adjust the collar of his coat. She sat forward, hoping he had something to say, not daring to be the first to speak. She could make out his proud profile in the dim light as he stood half-facing the door, not looking directly at her. I'm sorry I pushed you and made you fall, he said tightly after a long, tense silence. He still refused to look at her, He swallowed, and his head dipped lower. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I know, she said. It's okay. He nodded slightly and zipped up his coat. He tucked a pair of goggles into his pocket and slung his duffel over his shoulder. Do you have your medication? she asked, her voice breaking a little. Tears formed in her eyes, but she willed them away, dabbing at them surreptitiously at the back of her sleeve. He nodded curtly, his Adam's apple bobbing in his throat. Even from across the half-lit room she could see his discomfort. Or maybe she could just feel it, emanating from him and filling the space between them with an almost unbearable tension. His body radiated tension and rigid control and she wished she could say or do something to make him relax and agree to stay here, at least for tonight. But letting him go seemed to be the only thing she could do. Please be careful, she said quietly, so her voice wouldn't splinter again. He nodded again and moved his hand to the door handle. She expected to feel a gust of cold air swirl in and make the candles flicker violently, but it didn't come. Eric stood, his back to her, his breathing slow and steady, his hand poised firmly on the door handle. She held her breath. Silently praying he wouldn't open the door. He didn't. Fuck, he bit out, banging the side of his fist against the jam. He let his head fall against his arm briefly as he exhaled a controlled, frustrated breath. Then he surged away from the door and turned to stride towards her. When he saw her, when he finally let his gaze come to rest on her, his eyes widened. He halted awkwardly. His lips parted in surprise and an unguarded flash of desire flickered in his eyes. She felt immediately self-conscious, looking down at the rebellious curls that tumbled around her face and over her shoulders. He'd never seen her like this, she realized, looking back up at him and smoothing down her hair. She'd always kept her hair straightened and tied back, in a ponytail or a loose chignon, professional and neat. Right now she must look like a wild woman, she thought but judging by the look on his face, an utterly irresistible one. His eyes roamed over her freely, that steely look of appreciation and undisguised lust sending a rush of colour to her cheeks. His gaze dropped to the V of bare skin formed by her robe as it crisscrossed her body, and even though she knew he couldn't see anything else, the look he gave her made her think he was imagining quite a bit. Her pulse thrummed in her throat as she sat still for his appraisal, not flinching from it, not challenging him. She loved his eyes on her, and the quiet, cool way his eyes always took her in. Only now they weren't so cool. Now they positively blazed, with a heat she hadn't seen before. So, you're serious about this? he asked, his voice low and controlled, tinged with raw sexuality. You think I need to... She sensed he was searching for a word other than fuck. You really think that you and I need to... have sex. She stared at him, her heart beginning to pound in her ears. He stood at the end of the sofa, slouched in his trademark, pissed-off pose, one hand gripping the strap of his duffel. Anger glittered in his eyes. She hesitated, knowing she had to proceed carefully. She didn't want to risk fanning the flames even higher. Nothing as clinical as that, she said cautiously, and certainly not if you don't want to. I always want to. You know that. She felt her blush deepen, heat flushing her cheeks and ears. He always wanted to have sex, or he always wanted to have sex with her. Frankly, either one was a good sign. Well, she said, if you just, think about it as two people who we aren't just two people he cut in sharply his accent slipping again we work together we're colleagues we're not fuck buddies i know she said gently i know this isn't a normal situation but you're not a normal man he flinched slightly from the small dart that she'd unwittingly let fly she hurried on at least not in the usual sense, and you're having trouble lately, which I honestly thought had something to do with me, but I know now that it doesn't. She spoke quickly, almost stumbling over her words. So, yes, I know we're not just two people, but I think, I mean, I I thought, I did think, that we, God, could she be any more incoherent? She covered her face with her hands and tried to focus. If babbling like a lovesick idiot didn't send him careening out that door, she didn't know what would. He blew out a breath and let his duffel fall to the floor. He turned and strode to the large window by the dining table and stared out into the blackness for so long she wasn't sure if she should say something or just let him be. Then, finally, he turned back and found her eyes. So, you expect me to just go to bed with you just like that? He asked, his brows furrowed. As if I can turn it on and off like a faucet? Like I'm, um, what, some kind of machine? No, of course not, she said, alarmed. Like, like you're a man. He stared at her. A man needs a little more than fuck me or you're fired, sweetheart. She lowered her gaze, feeling unbearable heat in her cheeks. I never said it had to be like that. Nick did. Forget Nick. Nick she said, shaking her head. "'He has nothing to do with it. "'He's the one who stranded us up here,' he shot back, "'for a whole week, a whole goddamn week of fucking, I presume. "'He knows we could walk down the mountain to the village in a day,' she said, "'refusing to be drawn in by his frank vulgarity "'or the anger that had returned to his voice. "'We're not really stranded. "'I can walk out in a day,' he returned. "'It would take you three days if you made it out at all.' "'He bit off his words.' taking a deep breath. She could tell he didn't really want to insult her, but the truth of his statement was undeniable, especially in light of her ill-fated trek down the mountain after him. But she didn't rise to the bait. She kept her voice calm and smooth. Then you can walk out in a day and find a phone and call Nick. I'll wait here until he comes to get me. I don't think I can talk to Nick right now anyway, he said bitterly. "'without threatening to kill the son of it, Eric, stop!' "'Her voice rose sharply, "'frustration finally triumphing over discretion. "'Look, he doesn't know, okay? "'I never told him.' "'Never told him what? "'That I... that I want you.' "'He blinked, looked startled, "'as if something in the tone of her voice, "'the slight tinge of longing in it, "'changed the meaning of what she was offering.' or as if the game had changed now, that he knew Nick hadn't been part of this. Of course, she cursed herself silently. How could she have been so naive? Of course he would have rebelled against this idea, this invitation to a week of sex, if he'd thought his best friend had put her up to it. Knowing Eric, just the idea of facing Nick again afterwards was enough to spark his anger and dampen his sexual appetite. She shouldn't have tried to be so discreet, She should have told him the truth yesterday, before all this had gone so wrong. I only told him about the medical treatments I wanted to try, she heard herself adding. I never said anything about trying to seduce you. His eyebrows shot up. Seduce me? Is this what passes for seduction nowadays? I told you I never meant for any of it to happen this way. It's a real. what do you call it? A real clusterfuck. No pun intended. She finished lamely. He grimaced and turned away. He began pacing, slowly, pausing to throw her a speculative look once in a while. Another thought stopped him and he leaned back against the back of the overstuffed chair. I don't have any... protection, you know? Or did you come prepared for that, too? Her stomach tightened... Her heart leapt to a sudden, fluttering rhythm as she tried not to stare at him, tried not to let her surprise show. She had been right. The shift was subtle, the change in his demeanor so slight, she was likely the only person on Earth who would have noticed it. But she had been right. Still, she couldn't assume too much. Eric was mercurial, as changeable as the mountain climb. It would be a mistake to let herself believe he might change his mind. We... We wouldn't have needed it, she replied, amazed that she was even able to discuss this with him. She willed herself to remain calm. I'm protected, and as for STDs, well, I have access to all your blood work. I I know you don't have anything. I don't, maybe you do, (laughs) he laughed mirthlessly. How do I know you haven't fucked the whole goddamn team in the name of therapy? He was trying to goad her, she knew that. He was trying to insult her, again, trying to make her furious, make her throw something or hit him or cry. But she knew why he was doing it. He wanted her to reject him, so that he wouldn't have to keep trying so hard to reject her. The truth of it soared through her and strengthened her resolve. That glimmer of hope was growing into a flame. Whatever she had to put up with to get him to connect, to open up, to release his demons, she would do it. Now she just had to stop her lip from trembling and her stomach from churning. He was still so unpredictable, so mercurial, she had no way of knowing what he might do next. You know I wouldn't do that, she replied, holding his gaze. I don't want anyone but you. Why? What's in this for you? he asked, his voice still tinged with bitterness. What can you possibly get out of an emotionless fuck with someone who's still furious at you? Are you really? she asked, chastened. Still? Damn right. She swallowed. I'm not stupid, Eric. After this, I figure I'll never see you again. You'll probably only stick around long enough to punch Nick in the face and then you'll disappear. Forever. Am I right? His flexing cheek told her she was. She swallowed again, stealing herself. I told you I love you, and I mean it. If an emotionless fuck, as you call it, is all I can have of you, I'll take it. His eyes grew flinty and hard, and she had to look away. It was the absolute truth, and she had felt so exposed, saying it to him, that his silence only deepened her humiliation. She would take him this way if it's all she could have. She loved him. He was foolish and pathetic and would likely bring her nothing but pain, but she loved him. If he really was going to disappear, she wasn't going to give up her one and only chance to be with him, whichever way he would allow. She glanced up at him after a moment and caught his gaze traveling over her again, slowly, lingering where her breasts curved above the tightly cinched belt of her robe. His eyes were large and dark as they trailed up her body, slowly taking in the patch of skin at her neck, the long, dark waves of her hair that spilled everywhere and her slightly parted lips. When his gaze met hers, she saw such a clash of emotions in them that her heart hurt. Those dark eyes were like a silent plea, as though they spoke the words he couldn't, words of desire and longing and sheer desperate need. She could have melted into the sofa at the hunger she saw in his eyes, until suddenly it disappeared, replaced by something steel bright and hard. He lifted his chin and drew in a breath. All right, he said suddenly, flippantly. Let's go. She blinked. You want to fuck? Because you love me and I need a woman? Prove it. Her mouth dropped open. Eric. He unzipped his coat and let it fall to the chair. Then he discarded his warm layers until he was down to his black cotton shirt and jeans. He rolled up his sleeves and extended his hands to her. Come on, then, if you're serious. She stared at him, her heart thundering in her chest. He walked towards her slowly, brushing past the end of the sofa and coming to stand right in front of her, his hand still extended towards her. She looked at his hand, focused on the thick black watch that banded his sinewy wrist and his strong, well-defined forearm below his rolled-up sleeve. She met his eyes and saw fierce desire flaring there. As his eyes roamed over her face and her body, she saw a rich, pure look of lust spiking in them. Slowly, she lifted her hand towards his. He took her hand and guided her up from the couch. He walked backwards for a few steps, his eyes pinning her as he drew her towards him by her outstretched arm. Then he turned, leading her towards the stairs. He didn't let go of her hand, and the warmth of it in hers... The solid, comforting strength of it, the unfamiliarity of something so familiar, made her drag in a ragged breath. Eric, she stammered, her heart practically crashing against her chest as she followed him. Are you... I I thought you... This is therapy, right, doctor? Physical therapy, he asked, looking back at her as they climbed the stairs. Prove it to me. She couldn't answer. He turned back and led them the rest of the way up the stairs, pausing at the top as if to give her a chance to change her mind. When she didn't, he smiled grimly and led them down the hall to her room.